Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Welcome listeners to episode 73 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast. I'm not Dr. Robbie Anderton, your regular smooth-talking intro man, but rather I'm filling in for Robert while he takes some time away from the podcast. And no, Robbie has not been secretly sent home after testing positive for the performance-enhancing substance Legandrol, but rather, he's having some family time in Fiji, working on his bikini tan and studying up on the geography of South American countries. I am Dr. Lewis Kirkham, and before Robbie left, we managed to secure a phone interview with world-renowned celebrity and media veterinarian Dr. Katrina Warren. Dr. Katrina is best known for her work in the media as a presenter and spokesperson. She's worked across all media platforms, including TV, radio, print, and online. She's also authored four books, hosted many events, and most recently created an online education program for dog owners. From our chat, you can tell that she genuinely loves animals and has a real passion for helping pet owners enhance their special bond with their pets. As usual, a big thank you to our sponsor, Zilkeen, which is a great over-the-counter supplement that can help cats and dogs with mild anxiety problems. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters. You know who you are, and we appreciate your support. Without further ado, let's roll the tape on our chat with Dr. Katrina Warren. Uh, Dr. Katrina Warren, thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's, it's uh, as we we're talking uh, but before we were recording. Uh, off air, you know, off air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're our you're first uh, real celebrity vet that we've had on, and uh, so so yeah, we, we really feel like uh, Robbie was saying legitimizes the podcast. So so, am I flattered by that, or does that mean no other celebrities will go? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, How does one take that? Well, well oh, because we've, um, you know, well, I guess first off, you know, you, it's the you, sometimes you've got to be the one that takes a leap, don't you? You know, you got to be the first one to say, you know what, I believe in these two, these two young fellas. Yeah, I reckon they've got some. I reckon they've got a future here. I'll, I'll back them in, you know. And then, and then when the rest of them all come along, they won't be the first, Katrina. You know, this is going to be the. Uh, we'll always remember that you're the one that got us going. Yeah, you're the one that got us off the ground. Okay, I'll look at it that way while I'm flattered. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. We didn't want to let just any any old person on as being our first celebrity vet, Katrina. We wanted it to be you. And now you've called me an old person. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm flattered that Robbie's calling us young fellas, and then he's going to say an old person on the show. Hang on a second. I didn't say old, did I? Oh, gee whiz. I've gone and burnt the bridge already, Lewis. This is no good. Let's start again. Thanks, Katrina, so much. Thanks so much. We'll clear that up in post. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Thanks so much. Look, we just want to uh, touch a little bit on on your career progression. Obviously, I mean, I yep. remember uh, when when I was at, when I was at vet school seeing you on Totally Wild. I think at our lunchtime breaks, so we were playing pool and the TV that was in the <laughs> in, in in the break room. So so obviously you started at Totally Wild, and and uh, now you you're big into your training stuff, and and obviously you know a big well known uh, TV and 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 radio personality. How did it sort of start? Um, it started when I finished vet school. The last couple of years of, of uni, everyone was getting very, very serious about working in a clinic. And I started worrying that I wasn't made out for working in a clinic because I get really upset when um, you have to perform a euthanasia. I get upset. I can't bear it when someone's a pet dies. Yes. And I started worrying that I wouldn't be right for the job and then I'd be crying all the time. And also I wasn't that – I didn't enjoy surgery very much, which is a problem. I, I'm too much – way too much of a fidget. I'm yeah. not patient. <laughs> I'm, I'm a very impatient person. So there was a few things with the profession where I thought, I actually don't know that I'm cut out to work in the clinic. And when we graduated, everyone was running – trying to get jobs very quickly. Um, and I ended up just taking a big breath and working for some friends of mine – and doing some house calls. But, of course, when you do house calls, what are half of oh, your cases? Yes. Euthanasias. Yes, yes. absolutely. So my first three jobs as a vet graduate were euthanasias. Oh, and no. Oh, all wow. of my own. All of my yeah. own. And it was actually – it's really stressful. And I remember there was a um, – it was an old Labrador. I went to this house and there was a whole family there of kids, grandparents, kids, grandparents. It was about 15 people in that room and I had to put the dog down and then I had to get the Labrador into my car. Oh, no. And so, so it wasn't the most yeah. <laughs> pleasant start no. to the profession. And, and very stressful. And a lot of my friends as graduates were very um, were very stressed. And we also sadly lost a friend to suicide that first year. Right. It yeah. was just – it. It was an interesting time, and you guys can probably relate because you go into to, into vet wanting to do such a, an honourable profession and help animals, but then you realise there's other sides to it as well. And vets, are, are, hats off to all my friends that work in clinics because they're passionate about it, but it's also about management of people and their feelings and being a jack of all trades and, and managing a business. Yeah. So. So I started thinking, oh, I still love animals and I love what we're doing, but what can I do? And I set out um, to find a, find sort of an alternative where I could teach or teach children about pet care. And um, I'd had some experience on television because I'd done TV commercials to pay my way through uni and it was always fun and going on shoots was fun and sent a resume out to a whole lot of different um, TV shows at the time. And this is where life lines up in a funny way. So it took me months of, of knocking on doors and sending out resumes but my resume landed totally wild the same day that someone was leaving and oh. it was actually tim, it was actually tim bailey who's still doing the weather he was moving on to do the weather and so it landed there as a spot opened up and i got the phone call saying oh well, would you like to come in a couple of days a week um as a researcher and then it just grew from there so so that that one moment it was a bit of luck but it was luck backed up with the hard work to get there if you know what i mean oh exactly it's all the all the background you put in there you know the vet degree you've got behind you and 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 having done some work on tv before yeah certainly certainly no yeah. luck involved a lot of hard work and, and back in those days there really only was um burke's backyard and, and dr harry done talk to the animals and then there was totally wild the kids show which was all about the animals and the environment and and wonder world and a few shows like that what about harry butler um, was harry butler that what, time harry <laughs> butler yeah i think he'd, he'd moved along by then right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But 
but that was kind of it. And so there was just a place and, and also there was lifestyle. It was a very different kind of television. Now it's all very reality and it's, um, you know, it's driven by everyone having a go. You can be a cook, you can be a dog trainer, you can be whatever. Whereas back then it was like we want real presenters that are experts in their field. So it was just a bit of timing. Yeah, it was, um, more, it was more sort of infotainment then, wasn't it? Or it you know, you're trying to teach people things, whereas now it's just – Let's try and you know, Ent- uh, yeah, make, make make people um, look at you know uh, people's own behaviours and things and whatever you know that happens to be. So yes, it was entertainment and also it was a lot less. There was more money in television in those days. And when I got taken to Channel Seven for Harry's Practice, we didn't even have a sponsor. Channel Seven paid for Harry's Practice. Do you wow. know what I mean? Whereas now you look at all the big shows and everything sponsored, and it was very very different. So. Um, the other thing was working on a kid's show for, I think I did it for three or four years. You learn so much because it was just me, a cameraman, a sound guy, and we just go out on the road yeah. filming whatever I wanted to film as long as I researched it and it was sponsored by a tourism. So we could travel anywhere as long as we had it sponsored. So it was amazing. Fantastic. Wow. And so what's um, uh, what's some of the you know, the, the real highlights from, those, um, from back in those early days, Katrina, that made you feel like that this is – Jeez, I've really pulled the right rein here. I've really backed the right the right horse. What were some oh, of the stories that you can remember? Oh, some of them were totally wild. Was just crazy for me because I've gone from that experience of of you know, do I want to be a vet? To suddenly I could go, oh, there's tiger cubs born at you know <laughs> this this zoo here. Let me go and do a story on them. And and also we would go and um, you know, if there was a baby animal born anywhere at any zoo because yes. I was the vet, I could go and do the segments on them. So oh. I'd be at Taronga every week behind the scenes with the vets there. And it was always about – it wasn't about animals in captivity. It was always about, you know, learning from animals and having them in their natural environment where possible. And that was the start of the whole environment enrichment, you know, understanding – what animals need and I guess just the opportunity to travel all over the country as part of a job was it was amazing and then um when I started wondering what I was going to do next I thought I'm going to get aboard a collie puppy so I've got stories yes (laughs) yeah Yeah, content yeah (laughs) yeah content and so Toby was born my border collie puppy I did a bit of research and always loved the border collies and Always loved the brown ones, which were really rare back then. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I did. I we even filmed the segment on me picking the puppy. Oh wow! So Toby yes. the Wonder Dog, you filmed the actual pickup and the and the go and meet yes. the family. Oh, that's amazing. Go meet the family, and then we brought him home, and then um, your life was simpler then, yeah. as you would understand if you've got children. Yes. 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 <laughs> And we were all very carefree and I had friends that could take him if I had to travel and they didn't have kids yet. Yes. It was just such an adventure and I was so lucky with Toby that he was – it was just, again, another bit of luck. So I put a lot, a lot of work and training into him but I didn't have experience as a dog trainer. I learned on the go because he was so smart and he wanted to – he really wanted to work and figure out what I wanted so we just became a team so it's like he was pushing you almost Katrina where he was um yeah you saw the need of be trying to help uh, your uh experience as a trainer had to keep evolving as he just kept on wanting more and more you know uh you know more and more tasks more and more things to sort of keep his brain engaged yes and then we do more and more shoots where we go and do I mean it sort of then evolved into Harry's practice because I'd only had him I think it's about nine months or a year when 
I got the call from Channel 7 to do a pilot for Harry's practice. But we do more and more crazy shoots where it would be, you know, Toby at an awards night or Toby <laughs> Toby getting a massage or Toby. We do all of these things where he'd have to wear clothes and road test products. And so we just – we learn we learned on the way. So I know a lot more about dog training now, but whether or not that would have made him any different, I don't know. Well, it's, it's amazing, I think, because, you know, certainly when we go through vet school and me and Rob have had this experience, there's, you know, really no information on behaviour stuff or training stuff that we're given at all. You know, no. certainly, certainly we went through vets. So to be able to, uh, for you to pick it up and, and obviously you've come to such a good spot where you are now, where you're um, you're a big advocate for for you know training, and you're really big at promoting behavioural well, not promoting behavioural issues, but promoting treatment for behavioural problems, and and uh, um, and you know pr- providing some uh, some really up to date advice for that sort of thing. I really really appreciate what you've and, done. And responsible pet ownership and all that sort of stuff as well, Katrina. Well, that's always been my thing. So that's never changed. And I'm always, I mean, I'm always surprised at some of the things people do with their animals. I mean, talking of responsible pet ownership or irresponsible. I mean, yesterday I was dropping my daughter to school and there is a lady in a four-wheel drive driving her car with her Weimaraner off the lead running behind her and that's how she was exercising it because i stopped oh good lord i stopped i thought it was a loose dog put a lead out of the car went to do the right thing she's like that's my dog i'm I'm giving it a job (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, no way wow in like a busy suburban street and i was like what could possibly go wrong it's like swerving all over the road did did the owner recognize you and go oh okay maybe i'm doing the wrong thing no no She's just like, I, this is what I do. It was the, It's so strange. I see things like that all the time. I see, you think, dog walkers as well, where there's some amazing dog walkers, but there's some dog walkers. You go to the park and I just want to go up to them and say, what you're doing is so dangerous. Yeah, you know, yeah. they don't – I've seen a dog walking near me that lets five or six dogs run with their leads still attached because she can't catch them oh, otherwise. Dear. So she keeps the leads attached. Oh, dear and, me. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be much easier to catch one of them once it breaks its leg, unfortunately. But that's, uh, you know, it's, and, and it, you're right, Katrina. Like, it does beg a belief sometimes. Like, you know, the, the, it's, it's like a lot of things with life. You know, I mean, common sense things, you know, um, will generally get you through most ways of life. But you see some things like that and you just go, oh, geez, which, what part of this scenario did you actually think was a good idea? You know? Yes. Yeah. And- and look, I'm all for the world of social media. I do a lot of social media now. That's what's also changed so much. Would I rather it not be there? I actually would, to be honest. Yeah. Because it, was, <laughs> it was life was easier back in the, the day. But people, people, and you would get this all the time too. Is people often just want a quick fix with their pets as well? Yes. So they'll be like, "Oh, my dog's got this huge gaping wound on its leg. What should I do?" Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe go to the vet. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Should, should I go to the vet, they normally say. Yeah. Like, ah, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes is usually the easy answer to most of those things, yeah. Um, and I find a, um, a lot of it's the you know, people have become time poor, but they've still got an idea in their head of what they want to do, but they don't actually sort of realise – yeah, you know, what they uh, like. So yeah, they they want to go and get it. Like the the lady with the Weimaraner. You know, I mean, this is a a, a an active dog, a dog that's going to require a lot of exercise. Now, you know, if if you're at a point where you go, well, I can only exercise my dog by running it behind my four wheel drive around the you know the suburban streets. That's that's probably the time where you go. Well, hang on, if I'm that time poor, maybe I should get a cat and not a dog. You know. Yes. Um, 
So, yeah, what, what's some of the advice that you give people, Katrina, when it comes to thinking about the, the things to look for as far as, you know, uh, you know, when they're thinking about trying to get a dog? Look, I mean, I'm going through the same thing myself. You have to be brutally honest about the amount of time you have to spend. And the other thing is to understand that your dog is it's not born perfect and everything you do may not make that a perfect dog you might do everything to set it up and train it but it might still be one that wants to bark or it might still be one that oh you need to get a certain type of harness because it pulls on the lead they're not all they're not born perfect but what you need to really think about is how much time you do have to exercise yes and groom i think they're the big ones um because some and some breeds, it's, it's the right breed. If you know you've got a dog with Kelpie or Border Collie or Blue Healer in it, you know that we well, need to know that it's going to be active. Um, so I just say to people, just stop and write down how much time you've really got and really assess it. Um, there's been a very big shift, as you would also know, to rescuing pets. And I'm all for rescue. My dog is a rescue, my golden retriever. Yep, yep, yep. But when you rescue, you have to also think – what what are the needs of this rescue dog? What I mean, Riley's a golden retriever, so he's going to shed a lot of hair. He's yes. a big dog. <laughs> yeah, ab- he's about, a, he's, about three times his body weight in hair per year. You know, you know partic- yes. particularly if you've uh, just vacuumed as well. I, I find that that's a, a time that seems to really just draw the hair out of golden retrievers just after you've vacuumed. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So, so much hair. But I'm <laughs> used to hair. I'm used to hair. But the other thing with Riley is he is a full dog size bigger than a border collie yes so that Mm. has other factors because now he's getting old i have to lift him into my car and it's starting to get really hard because he's probably 28 kilos toby was probably 22 23 so there's a massive difference in the in that and the practicalities that come with the larger dogs so as you know some of the larger dogs like a great dane they can make great apartment dogs but you have to be aware that you need a bigger car yes and that (laughs) They're hard, you know, they're hard one for vets to pick up. And so it's just about really thinking about is that breed the right one for you? Yeah. yeah. You mentioned yourself you're going through the process at the moment. Is, is that a scoop for, for two vets to talk pets? Uh, is, is, is there something you're not telling us or want to tell us? <laughs> Look, my Toby passed away January 2010, so it's nearly been 10 years. Wow. And every year I've said to myself, I, I, I don't want to be an old person and not have had another border collie in my life. I've loved them. <laughs> It's my it's my heart dog, but I've also got an eleven year old daughter, an yes. old golden retriever, a Maine coon that is like having a dog. Yes, and <laughs> we can talk about breed selection with cats because everyone's like, oh, "I want a cat like that," and it's like, mm. yeah. <laughs> it's one out of the that's, box. Yeah, that's, a very that's, big box. <laughs> that's like the oh, what is that? It's like the border collie of cats or something right there because it's hairy. Yes, and they're really bossy in a nice way but they're just in your face and they're on your kitchen bench and they're big yes yeah yeah they, they, this cat this cat doesn't play with cat toys he bats tennis balls around that <laughs> so is, is that is that him trying to um you know uh, uh, trying to sort of assert his uh you know um <laughs> Yeah, you know, like uh, just how big he is with that, Katrina. Like he's trying to sort of show, look, I could be playing with these little little balls, but here I found I found a netball that I'm going to knock around yeah, here just to yeah. just to remind you of just how big I am. Pretty much, and I did. I I do believe that pets grow into the names you give them, and I did call him King Leo. Because <laughs> 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 so, our previous cat was Mr. Fox, and it was such he came with that name, and it was such a cool name, and it suited him so much. Yes, and then to top Mr. Fox as a name. 
and to get another Maine Coon, there was hours and hours of discussion because you also have to bring an 11 year old daughter into that mix so i was was wondering how old your daughter was going to be at the naming process yeah yeah oh my goodness you have no idea (laughs) you have no idea she wanted we wanted prince pistachio (laughs) all all sorts of names like that nothing um, like um justin or bieber or anything like that were on the 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 name the name charts were they katrina it was Everything was on the name. <laughs> so, 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 so when Leo, I kind of mentioned Leo, and then she said King Leon. I thought, you know what? That actually really works. It follows on beautifully from Mr. Fox. Yes. Suits a Maine Coon, and it really does suit him. But he just walks around going, yes, servant, and just flips things <laughs> on the ground. So, so, so have you got um, in your quest to find a, a new dog, a, a, bo- oh, yes. a border collie? Are you? Um, is your daughter involved in that, or what's the process yes, you're so, going through to to, to source so, a dog? Yeah, sorry, what, what? yeah that's Getting okay. Sidetracked. <laughs> so I've wanted a border collie, and every year I make an excuse for not having it. I'm too busy. I don't want the effort. I don't want the. I don't have the energy. My daughter's just got old enough. I've got my sleep back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a senior dog now, but I figure if I don't do it soon, I'm never going to do it. So I yeah. am hopefully going to get one. I'm sniffing around, pardon the pun. Excellent, um, good. But it needs to be right. So, well, what what sort of things have you got on your criteria list for for what you're looking for, Katrina? For 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 this new you know, for your new your new border collie. Well, because I work with. We call them the Wonder Dogs, which is um, a lovely breed called Kelly Gillen. We work together all the time at events all around the country. Um, I, ideally, I would, would get a border collie through Kelly because I know that her breeding standards are so high. I know the temperament of her dogs yes. are great and generally their health is fantastic. So that's the, the sort of criteria that I want. But I also, which makes it a little bit harder, there's border collies that are very, very high drive and there's some that aren't quite as high drive. And ideally, I don't want the really high drive yeah. ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Yes. yes. <laughs> and I do live in the, in the city and I don't have a huge garden. And But, but again... The garden size is not really that important for me. So a garden true. is where your dog goes to the toilet. Yeah. Right. So the dog where you can toilet train your dog and your dog goes to the toilet. Um, it's what you do with the dog. So that is so true. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. A big believer of that. Yes. I, you would get that. I get that all the time. But we've got a big backyard. Yes. It really doesn't matter because a well-adjusted dog sleeps when you're not home if it's well adjusted and they don't tend to run around so i've got a massive big grassy area next door to me that i can go and do training and exercise with with it so it's not that important i've got the place you know enough space for it to toilet and everything but it's that you know being prepared to set up the routine so it's you know it's a good year and a half of solid work yeah to get the dog into a border collie into great routine yeah right so i mean uh, before the show off the show we're sort of talking about the actual process of you know selecting a breed obviously for the particular well perhaps look that you want but then also that fits in with your lifestyle and and your your exercise and that that sort of thing so once you know um obviously a lot of people perhaps uh, uh, you know keen to go and get a rescue dog and and, and uh, some people want to get a particular uh, purebred sort of dog, and that's all fine. It's an individual choice sort of thing. But when you actually go to select the dog or meet the dog, what sort of things should owners perhaps, you know, I mean, obviously what you're yeah, looking for. Look, 
Look, I was very blessed when I got Toby. And again, it's a matter of sometimes things just line up and you don't realise at the time. I was very, very blessed that I had the choice. There was actually two litters of Border Collies, the same age, um, yeah. on this property. And I had pretty much had my pick of whichever one. I think there was one out of ten that already was that, that breeder was going to keep. And I spent an hour or two and Toby was the one that was constantly following us around. He kept going up and looking at the camera, but he wasn't <laughs> too in your face. But he was very like, it's me. Yep. Me. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely going to be me. And he was amazing. And then just when we were going to leave, he walked over and just fell asleep on my foot. Oh, and I'm like, nice. You're you. oh, he's, so, he had it all sorted from the start, didn't he? He knew. So I always say that he chose me. But now life is very different and I've also got to be very careful not to compare to him. It's like children. You can't yes. be completely different and I have to be careful because that was a unique and amazing experience. Yes, yeah. So And you're not trying to, you're not trying to find another Toby, you're trying to find your next dog, your next dog. You're not trying to replace him and you're not trying to get the carbon copy off. You're looking for yeah, this the, the, the next member of your family. That is true, and I have to remember that. Yeah. I really do have to remember that because even Riley, Riley is such a beautiful, sweet golden retriever, but we have a very different relationship because he's not so active. He's, he eats <laughs> and sleeps, <laughs> and sleeps, and we'll sit and have a chat, And it, but it's very different to Toby where I really we had full we had the full thing going on. I could have a conversation with him. Yes. Wow. And, you know, he knew what was going on. But, um. Very different. So I do have to remember that it is a family member, but it's also um, a dog that I, I need to use for my work as well. So I need a dog that is going to be social and happy, and you know, there's a lot of lot of things to think about. Of course, and so then obviously when you once you pick the dog out, um, you know, uh, as far as sort of the training aspect of stuff, what are some of the important things that you think owners should be able to do with their dogs? Look, I think um, socialising is the first thing with the puppies, yes. getting them out there and getting them comfortable in as many situations. And that's just not socialising them with other dogs. It's socialising them with noises and things like buses and trains. And, oh, gosh, I've been doing this with even Leo. People thought I was a freak. I'd be taking him out in my in the carry basket to cafes and <laughs> having all the noise go by. That's perfect. Yes, that's great. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, but he now, because with Leo, the cat, because I kept putting him in his curry basket and giving him treats, if I bring the curry basket into the living room, he hops into it, which is a vet's <laughs> nice. dream. Yeah, yeah nice. absolutely. <laughs> so, a vet so and an I owner's guess, dream, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And you know what? If I have um, workmen or anyone, you know, tradies or anything coming to the house, I can just pop him into that because my biggest fear is that someone leaves my front door open and he gets out. He so yeah. pop him in that for two or three hours, not a problem. Um and I will do the same with the puppy. I will crate train the puppy. And I think that that is such a valuable tool that I also didn't know about with Toby. Yeah. Um, but I've done a lot of work with and it's life-changing because it just means that it helps you with all your things, toilet training and helps you actually keep your house in one piece while also training the dog um, and sets you up for being able to travel anywhere with them yeah. and at I any time. I think the thing with the crate training that I love, I mean, it's 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 huge. You probably know it's huge in the in the US. It's it's much more common, perhaps, mm. than 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 in Australia. And uh, you know, to try and recommend it to owners in Australia, it seems to be a little bit more pushback against it. I don't know what your sort of thoughts are. The, yes, hundred percent. People seem to think it's a cage. Yes, think it's yeah. cruel. Yeah, yeah. I've helped a lot of people. I mean, it is. I guess it is a cage, right? But we call it a crate. I try and call it a bedroom. And yes, I call nice. it a safe zone. And for people with little kids, 
I, the dog needs a safe zone away from the kids as well. Um, but I've found there's a lot of pushback here. And in the States, everyone's like, oh, yeah, crate training, it's great. Yeah. But pe- people need to realise that it's not a punishment. I think that a lot of people, because people also be like, oh, if, it's, if it wears on the floor, do I put it in the crate? And I say, no, the crate is a happy place. Exactly, Whenever yeah. it goes into the crate, it gets something to do and treats or a Kong with food in it or whatever. Um and they learn very quickly that it's a comfy place and it means that when they go to the vet, they're much more comfortable in a crate. If they travel, they're comfortable. It's safer in a car. Um, but it is an interesting mindset. It's very different here I think and it for, hasn't taken I, off the same. Yeah, I think for us, Katrina, like uh, uh, we, we humans, we see a, a wire box and we go, hang on, that's yeah, that's 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 prison, that's punishment, you know, whereas – a dog doesn't know it. For a dog, it's just a place. And if that place turns into somewhere that's nice and happy and fun and good things happen in there, it's great, you know? Like, it'd be the same yeah. as it being a cardboard box, except it's, the dog can jump out of the cardboard box, you know? It's just a it's just a, a thing. And so it's trying to get our sort of human perceptions away from the realising that our dog doesn't know that it's a cage if good things happen in there. Yes, that's yeah. very true. And it's a safe and it's a safe place. They like the safe place. I mean, a dog would love a den. They do like that. And if people spend any time with, uh, if I use the term dog people, people that that um, take dogs out and compete with them in agility or fly ball or, you know, things like when we go to our dog lover shows, all those dogs are crated. They're all used yep. to being in crates. Yeah. So if you're not using them, they pop into the crates and they're safe and they're comfy. Yeah, yeah. And, Obviously, the dogs have toilet breaks and obviously they still need all their exercise requirements met, but yeah. it just means and a chill-out place. And with a puppy, it's the only way to save distraction, really, to have to know that if you're not actively supervising a young puppy in your house, you might be in the kitchen, it's somewhere else, it's got opportunity to do stuff. So if you can't actively supervise it, it's the, it's the only way. You either have them in a playpen or somewhere confined or else you come down and your cushions are chewed or, you you know, whatever. Exactly, <laughs> or even a safety thing, you know, they get into your electrical cables or something like that mm. as well. But, but I think that's that's a big thing with the, the crate training is is it's a choice for the dog to, to go in there. They're actually choosing to go in there to get their Kong filled with, uh, you know, food or, or peanut butter. Yeah. And that's and I think that's the hardest thing to get across to, to owners that, that the dog's actually choosing to go in that loves it. And, and the other thing, too, that often doesn't come across is once your dog has learnt the crate and once you've set up good habits with a puppy, you don't always have to use the crate. So that's yep. something else. Once you're confident, once you have the toilet, because it's so, so great, the toilet training, you put your dog puppy in the crate for half an hour, you take it out, you go straight outside to the toilet and wait for it to have a wee. It saves you having puddles on the floor. Once your dog is toilet trained and once you're comfortable that it's not going to chew up your house, you don't have to put it in there all the time. But when you bring out the crate or if you're traveling, it'll be comfortable going in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the other uh, common common uh, sort of mistakes and things that you see that people make, Katrina, as far as when they're trying to, you know, train up their puppies or training their dogs, oh. you know, those sort of misconceptions that people have that you're constantly going, oh, here we go, this old one again that we've got to try and run through? Yeah. They're, they're not let, not teaching them alone time. Right. It's yes. another ah, very yes. easy thing to do. Yeah. So you've got a puppy. You've got a puppy, it's really cute, it follows you around the house, the kids get home from school, it follows them around the house, everyone plays with the puppy, the puppy's never on its own. Yeah. And 
um, or you put it in the laundry where it's completely locked away from everyone and it cries and howls and it's terrible and then you pull it out and everyone plays with it again and, and <laughs> then they don't want to put it back in the laundry. So they're not teaching alone time I, I think, is uh, yeah, a mistake. Yeah, I think one as well people, you know, they similar sort of thing, you know, they've, they've got the four weeks holiday, we've got the holiday, we get the puppy at the start of the holiday, so for the next four weeks yeah. we're home with it every day. It's yeah. like, well, that's not what life's going to be like in four weeks. So, yeah, totally yes. agree. Yep. And it's hard to do it and that's where the crating is good again. You pop it in the crate for a period of time. You need to go out of sight of your puppy. You need to let it chew. It might bark and whine for a little minute, but generally they settle down, particularly if you put them in there after they've had exercise. But the the puppy that becomes dependent on you and the other thing is the small dogs get so dependent on being carried around. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my gosh, the small dogs. But then people are weird with small dogs. I have a friend who adopted a chihuahua and – it blows me away if we take it. It's a tiny little thing. The number of people that stand over it, peer down at it, and then bark at it? Uh, what is that? Oh, really? <laughs> so, and, so, so, and it's particularly men. Like, they come up and they see it and they're like, wah, 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 in its face. Oh, wow. That's, a, that, that's very bizarre, isn't it? You know, there's a, there's a whole, there's a whole other podcast in that, I think, Katrina. Oh, trying to. <laughs> She says, I should get Penny on the phone. She, It is the most bizarre thing. And so then what happens is she now carries the chihuahua around so that she's got control because now the chihuahua bouts back at it because it's gone, what the earth are you? I don't like this. So now they lean over and it does that classic chihuahua thing where it's like, rah, 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 and then people are like, ooh. ooh yeah, <laughs> but, what, what's wrong with your dog? Yeah. yeah, You've got a vicious dog down there. It's like you just like shouted in its face, but it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. And it's it's a thing, and I don't know. Someone could tell me, <laughs> uh, maybe, if someone could tell me why it's a thing, that'd be great. I, I really feel for your friend's uh, poor vet as well, because uh, you know, when the vet's got to try and look after that chihuahua as well, I mean they are uh, you know n- n- notorious for being uh, a breed of uh, on the watch list. So uh, so yeah, it, hopefully the chihuahua's nice and calm and has been you know trained by the vet to go and well, just have lots of treats and for it to be a nice place and not expect that the vet's <laughs> going to start barking at it because crikey, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's becoming the classic, but I can see how it's happened. I can yep. see you can you can see what happens, and you can see when people. And if I remember doing a story in LA, actually, it was a very similar. It was a, it was a chihuahua, I think, and it was the same thing. It used to bark at visitors, and then we did a whole thing over a couple of weeks where everyone that came to the house had to ignore the dog, but then sit down on the floor and give it treats. Oh, and it changed. It just it changed immediately how that dog reacted to visitors. Now it's not. A practical thing when you're out in public but it worked for her at home because everyone would just slide in on the floor sit down and the dog would come up and eat out of your hand but prior to that you've got this tiny little thing you know as small as a rat maybe yeah. <laughs> and, it's just, <laughs> and it's just looking up going oh it's all too much yes People yeah, yeah. Over me. so yeah. that was in la katrina is that was that oprah winfrey have we got a scoop there as <laughs> well <laughs> Long before um, there was Bondo Vet, I did Beverly Hills Vet. I did a series of oh, this crazy show. Really? Um, yeah, I only did one series for Animal Planet. It was all a bit quirky. They were kind of they were kind of leaning to almost wanting me to make fun of these people that had these weird pets. Oh, but, okay, but, right. You yeah. know, in an, in an American kind of way. So there'd be I, – I got to meet the weirdest and wacky pet owners in Beverly Hills. So <laughs> – but they wanted me to kind of do stuff like, you know, turn to the camera and roll my eyes oh. and say that they were nut jobs. And I, that doesn't – that's not me. No. Yeah, that's not your that's <laughs> not your stick, yeah. 
It's not my stick, but I, but it is where I saw a lot of things that I can't <laughs> necessarily unsee <laughs> <laughs> of, of how people live with right. their animals. That, yeah. Wow! Yeah. Oh, what an opener! Wow, that's that's amazing. Now, we did we did a story. I'm um, see. I've got so many stories here. Oh, then lay it on. This is great. This is brilliant. <laughs> well, we did this story on this man who called Henry Lizard Lover. You can actually Google him online. <laughs> He's changed his name legally to Henry Lizard Lover, and oh. he has all these iguanas. Actually, maybe you guys can tell me what he does. But he, you walk into his house, and there's just all these iguanas on miniature furniture that have all been like molded into these poses. Oh, oh really? Like like there's some baking and it, it's the it was the strangest thing wow. I've ever seen. How do you from a production point of view, like, how do you find out about these people, Katrina? I mean, not that I'm looking to try and head over and, and interview Larry the Lizard mm-hmm. Lover, but, um, yeah, I mean, you might, we might be able to find his email address online. But, um, uh, but like, what is it a producer that says, okay, Katrina, you know, we're going to go out and see this guy, Larry, yes. that's got all these iguanas, and you go, oh, my goodness. I got, or, do yes. they, or do they send you in cold? You go, I don't know what I'm about to see here, but, you know. What, we, no, how do, Everything in America is so overproduced. So all of those shows that pretend that they're walking in and surprising people at the door, that's really not how it works, even though you pretend. Right. Because <laughs> I did another one where, you know, you knock on the door and it's like, here I am. <laughs> and Americans are so much better than Australians of talking on camera and redoing takes and just talking about nothing. So, no, no, everything was fully prepared. So I'd know in advance what. I was doing, but yeah. nothing would prepare you sometimes. No, for what you then saw, yeah, no. things that you'd see. Yeah, we saw a lot of stuff. So, and one of the stories was a girl that actually couldn't put a dog on the ground. She oh, couldn't really? put it down. It would go on the ground to go to the toilet, then it would bark, and she'd just carry it with her. Oh my goodness! For the rest of the whole life, basically. Oh wow! It was it was a very small dog, or was she um, spending yes. a lot of time on Venice Beach doing a lot of bicep curls, trying to sort of lift <laughs> up a, a, a Doberman? It was a, no, it was a very small dog, and she wondered why no one would date her because she came with it like strapped in a harness. <laughs> A baby a dog in the baby beyond, was it? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> a, a, much. a little vicious chihuahua that whenever the boyfriend, you know, I yeah. swipe, you know, she, she wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, fly with that these days, Katrina on Tinder. You'd flick across and you'd see her sitting there with a chihuahua in the baby beyond. You go, oh, no, you're just going to keep on going there, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, we. There was some stuff over there. <laughs> wow. Interesting. And, and so currently now, what sort of um, – what are you sort of involved with now? What's your big sort of projects you've got going on uh, at the moment? Look, when I when I talk about the things I used to do, I realise how much fun my life used to be. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, now, now you're stuck talking boring. on pot. Now you're stuck on podcasts like ours and stuff, yeah. just boring shows, yeah. middle-aged men. <laughs> It really is. So I, I, I did have a, a daughter um, who's about to turn 12 and life changes direction, obviously, when you have kids in a, in yep. a big way. So, yeah. so you just cannot do the same kind of travel and you don't want to do the same kind of hours on the road because it is really time consuming. So um, I had a quiet few years after she was born for a while and just you know, did the mum thing. But now I work a lot for um, various sponsors. I do a lot of... Um, different jobs for different companies, which is which keeps me really busy. So, you know, Leo and I work a lot with Royal Cannon. I work a lot with um, Kong, who I love, Kong yes. Toys products. They're enrichment toys, yeah, which be- um, are great. We're about to do a launch to for Soresto Flea and Tick products because it's summer, spring, summer coming in. 
Um, so I do a lot of projects. So it might be launches or events with different companies and then um, a lot of social media. Right. So it's not as – it's fun because I get to work my own hours and I get to work a lot with my own animals. Yes, yeah. Um, which is fun, but it's not the same as, you know, traveling around the world and <laughs> meeting people and their pets everywhere or, or working with wildlife. And Not, not quite as glamorous, is it, just at home filming your cat and dog interacting? Yes, no. Yeah, now you're making me feel really, really boring. <laughs> <laughs> I, but – uh, but I do a lot. I well, do a well, lot with the wonder dogs. I was going to say the wonder dogs. We get out and about a lot around the country with them, and that's always fun. Well, you get out to the uh, to the dog lovers show a lot too, don't you? To uh, to show off with those guys. Oh yes. So we do the dog lovers shows all around the country, and that's with you know the team of border collie and doing tricks. and And I find people really engage with dog tricks and teaching dog tricks is a great way to give your dog mental stimulation and also without a doubt it enhances your bond you share so that stuff I really enjoy and I you know I really enjoy being out and about and I guess I'm in the lucky situation that I don't have to wash and groom the whole wonder dog team (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah so we do a lot of that that's fun we've been doing a lot of um taking the wonder dogs into workplaces as well spreading happiness we call it yes um we find you know more and more corporates uh wanting to to give their employees a break or to do something that brings some smiles and nothing brings smiles more than taking in a team of trick train border collies yeah you know into the lunch break to do a few tricks give some pats do some photos and i find that really rewarding i have to say yeah it would be definitely how had um so can people sort of get onto you for that if there's some you know, corporate companies listening? Yeah. What's the best way yeah. to get get in touch with you for that sort of thing? Probably the best is just to find me either through um, just my – I've got a very basic website with a condo on it, so that's drkatrina.com or through LinkedIn is the other way of doing it. But, yep. yeah, we love it. It's, if we're Sydney-based, um, it's one of the most rewarding things we do because you can walk in and you just see – the change of the atmosphere and the mood and how excited people get when we bring a whole team of animals through. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, uh, dogs and cats are known to decrease, you know, blood pressure and uh, and, and help with stress and, and that sort of thing. So I think in a, in a stressful corporate environment, that, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Yeah, it is a great idea. It's um, been interesting occasionally getting the building managers to allow us in with dogs. Oh, oh really? Which, uh, oh, that that's, doesn't that one do my head in? <laughs> <laughs> When you think you're allowed to bring young children in and bring dogs into <laughs> what, what's their biggest issue? Is it is it the toileting aspect uh, or the there's scratching? Never, there's never Fair. really a reason because oh. people just panic about it. But um, usually we get in. Usually we get in or we find a common ground outside. Or there's a back but, door. Um, there's a back door you can usually yeah. sneak in. But I've always found I always find it so bizarre when people have such difficulty renting a property, but yet you can go and rent that property with you know three toddlers under yeah. five, yeah. <laughs> and yes. it with a cat. Yes, that's spot on. You'll do more damage with the kids, won't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and look, I understand too that pets can cause damage. I do understand that, but so can kids. And oh, people. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, Katrina, speaking of, of kids and, and people and things, um, and you, you say you've, you know, where you've got your, uh, your, your daughter, do people often um, ask you, you know, do you get hit with vet questions when you're at school drop-offs and things like that? Not so much anymore. Yeah. I do occasionally. Not so much. You know, most of the questions I get around our school are actually really lovely and, and people usually looking for dogs. And someone said, oh, ask Katrina, she might be able to help you. And I've, oh, I've helped great. a few. Yeah, we've helped a few school mums find the right pet, actually, for them, which has been great. Um, but, you know, I get it here and there, but it's, it's absolutely fine. I'm, I'm happy to help if they're sensible and not running their dog 
on the road. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well, certainly talk about your daughter and that sort of thing. I know this question's hot on Robbie's lips and he's, he's been dying to ask it. So so when you were pregnant with your daughter and then um, and, and you had, <laughs> and you had, and you had a, a, you know, um, a Toby, uh, you know, a dog in the house, did, was there any books particularly that you found particularly helpful for during that pregnancy, Katrina, at all? Oh, oh, the one by Lewis, perhaps. That was uh, unbelievable. Yes! I think it came out around the same time as well. <laughs> yeah, that'd um, be right, yes. That was around the same time that Charlotte was, you know, a little baby. But, yes, it, it look, getting resources to help you if you are a first-time, I was going to say baby owner, that doesn't quite work, but if you're <laughs> a first-time parent and your pet was your first baby, that sounds better, <laughs> um, you really should have a good read. You uh, really should prepare yourself because – it's not simple and often the pet that has been the baby and you always think, oh, I'm not going to neglect my pets, but babies are so much harder than you think they're going to be. Yes. But my biggest disappointment but, with that, Katrina, was I, I said to my wife, we're coming out, we're interviewing um, Dr. Katrina Warren. She said, oh, well, that's fantastic. Um, and I said, I'm pretty sure Lewis is going to try and get a plug into his book. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, <laughs> I, you know, I, my, my bet was that it was going to be in the first 15 minutes. And I thought <laughs> I'd actually done really well with the fact that he managed to stretch it out to the half an hour mark before getting it in there. That's the, that's the biggest disappointment for me that I, I, I okay. thought he was going to lead with it a little bit earlier. But anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Well, I'm happy to plug it because it, I think it's really important oh, and, and, uh, oh, he's, he's blushing people. here no, that's all right <laughs> Robbie let it talk oh, sorry oh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> but a lot of people I mean there's some huge statistic on how many people surrender their cats because they think they're going to get toxoplasmosis yeah. when oh, they're pregnant 100% yes. yeah yeah oh yes. my gosh they, I remember Cat Protection Society told me the statistic on people and I was like it's the misinformation so that's that's one thing that's a scary thing and someone will have some kind of freak out about that but then just also not taking a little bit of time to think, okay, well, maybe we need to put a baby gate here to stop the dog. Or, you know, personally, I found, and I had a dog, I mean, Toby was never going to be a problem, but I also had the cat. Um, I found managing the baby and the dog a piece of cake. It's the toddler and the kid yes. and the animals. Yes, yeah. That yeah. is a nightmare. Yes, yes. Once, they, once they're up, up and moving around, and and the and the, the uh, your toddler's got access to all the areas the dog does, then things start to change it massively. Is a nightmare, and I every time I see those photos, people put on, oh, crack, oh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? The oh, baby's yeah. lying across the dog, and I just think, oh, I I'm personally amazed. There's not more dog attacks. Yep. Because you've got toddlers with food lying on dogs that you don't know, and I just yeah. Sorry about that. That's just just Robbie's wife, I think, saying, "Has Lewis got the plug in yet?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that really that is really concerning that to me because you can never be too careful with a dog around babies with food or with anything um but i found that i and i also after having my own daughter i used to tell people just just because it was the age i used to say was that oh yeah you know six after six is a good time to bring a, a dog or cat in i've changed that i don't think you know yes if you want to do it that's fine but I think it's really only been since charlotte probably turned 10 yes. that i feel really comfortable with pets and her friends with pets, yes. that they're sensible, that they make sensible decisions and that they also listen properly. And yeah. I think, and also they've got to be of an age where they can uh, recognise body language too is a big, big thing. I think for family with my kids, 
that yeah. um, you know there, there's uh, it's fine to you know talk about you know um, you know asking the owner to pat or or uh, yeah. you know feeling they're going to a house where the owners are responsible with the dog, but really um, you know it's about your, your daughter being able to identify that 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 dog's not comfortable with your approach and not to keep pushing it, you know, or, or it's, yeah. yeah. You know what? Our pets are generally really tolerant. Like I look at what Mr. Fox, my man, my so, so my other man coom is a bit different to Leo. If he didn't want to do something, Mr. Fox wouldn't do it. But he'd just hold up a paw and go speak to my paw, or he'd run off. <laughs> Give you the don't <laughs> but, argue. Yeah, yeah, right. But but he would never like I could put like I could play with him. Like he could do the you know the bunny hop they do with their back legs, and he could grab onto my arm. But he was very very gentle. Yes, Leo, Leo's default if he doesn't want to do something is to actually nip you okay so i've been spending a lot of and that's just different animals have different responses so i've been spending a lot of time with him with treats doing you know touching him giving him treats touching him and then walking away before he has an opportunity to go i don't want to do this now or whatever and it's very hard to get a kid to understand what on earth you're trying to do. So they want to come up. So she wants to obviously pat her cat because he's really hers. But then you see him come up and you see play, play, play. And then you think she needs to walk away now because we don't want to rev him up. Because I'm trying not to let him get into that excited situation where he'll turn around and then go play. But it's hard to explain. It's so hard with a kid. So you've just got to be aware of that. And I think the older the kids are, the easier it is to kind of know that you've got. I guess the control or the understanding between the animal and the kid. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned uh, Mr. Fox as well. You, um, your main coo, unfortunately, you passed away. You know, last year. Last year. Yeah, it was a terrible, a terrible shock for, well, for the whole family. You know, I imagine, and and I know that that pet bereavement, you know, and and the Rainbow Bridge is something that you are very sort of passionate about. Um, is, do you have sort of a, advice for, for, for children, how to handle that sort of grief or even adults, how to help them? What sort of advice are you giving on those sorts of yeah, things? Yeah, look, I've always had a big, always, prior to Toby passing away, I've always had a big interest in pet loss and helping people. Um, and when my, my Facebook page, like my Dr. Katrina Facebook page actually started when Toby passed away. I didn't even know how to use Facebook back then. It's 10 years ago. <laughs> look at it now. Yes. Um, It'll but, never last. It'll, it'll never last. It, it won't stick around. <laughs> you know, and then I was like, I don't need Instagram. And now every job I do, they're like, oh, you've got to do Instagram. And so you've got all of this stuff you're juggling. Um, but I learned a lot about pet loss and I learned a lot about how, as a society, we don't generally acknowledge pet loss yeah. uh, well enough and how people feel incredibly isolated when they lose their pets. And when a human dies, there is a service or a funeral and there's a whole process that goes through that actually, I mean, it never gives you closure, right? But it actually allows you and children to understand that this is death and this is goodbye and, and move along. But we're often lost with pets and, and people, you know, the number of people when, when Toby died, oh, you're going to get another one? You're going to replace him? Yeah, yeah. Mm. You're going to replace that dog? And I was like, you can't replace. They're as different as, as people. And for people that have that bond, you know, I can never say you can compare it to the loss of a human, but that I have had hundreds of people over the years say, I feel guilty because I grieved more for my pet than I did for my spouse, mother, father. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that is so when, common, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We see that see that in the consult room, you know, when, when we do euthanasia, that uh, owners will often say that after after their pets passed, they'll be like, gosh, I'm, I'm sadder than I was. Yeah, exactly, when, you know, that my, my relative passed. 
it's because the pet ne- doesn't give you the grief because they're always, always consistent with you. Yep. And so all of our human relationships have ups and downs. So you have sort of some negative bits and some hard bits. But the pet's just there and you just want them to live forever and yeah. it just to be consistent. So it's really hard. And then for children, there's different um, – what I have learned over these is that under seven, it's very hard for them to understand permanence. They yes. don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So there's a different way of – handling that but in my own situation with my daughter mr fox was her constant companion she she has a much closer had a much closer relationship with him than ever with my dog she used to leave him in sleep on her bed and we just had it was just such a horrible situation we came home and he was fine and then a couple of hours later he literally made a noise next to me collapsed and passed away very quickly um in uh, front of her. So I uh, called her because I thought, right, we're going to race. We need to get to clinic. And so to pro, I mean, sudden loss for anyone to process with anything is really hard. Yeah. And because part and, of it is then you start to feel that guilt of, could have we done something else? Oh, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And, and you but, know in the end that there's probably nothing that's that's going to have changed, but, but you but, go through so much. You just don't have a chance oh to gosh. reconcile it, do you? Particularly with me, because I was thinking, could I have done something? I'm a qualified vet. Did yeah. I do everything I could have done? Like I had myself, I ended up finding three vets the next day going, did I do everything I could have done? And they were all like, it's catastrophic. It was catastrophic. It was quick. Yeah. So there's only a couple of things that could have been, right? Yes. So, um, And the other thing is being a Maine Coon, they are predisposed to heart conditions. Heart problems, even though that was I, top of my list, yeah. Yeah, even yeah. though I had him scanned, yep. I'd had him scanned, they can still develop, you know, all of these things, but it's all going through my head. Yeah. And Charlotte's like, what if he'd been at the vet today? Would he have died? And oh, oh. gosh. So, and it showed nothing, no warning signs. So then you're faced with an 11 year old girl dealing with the shock of what on earth has just happened? And our beloved pet passed mm. away. Yeah. And I was in a very lucky situation. And um, that a company, and I'm just plugging this because just for no reason other than I just had their product and I loved it. There's a company called Sweet Goodbye that had made these beautiful um, wraps for pet loss. For, and they'd sent me all these samples and I had them in my garage thinking, oh, I hope I don't need them for my pets. And next minute I'm down in my garage bringing one up. And we were very lucky that I opened up a small dog size and it was this beautiful, absolutely beautiful, like a shroud wrap inside a felt layer, inside another layer that you can – you basically button up and it gave us a process of what, how to manage having a deceased pet that you love in front of you because you could wrap him in the beautiful no. silk and it had, it had a little card and little garlands and all sorts of everything had been thought of for us to put in and she wrote a note, she put his toys in and then we slowly wrapped him up until he was completely wrapped and to send him out of my house knowing that he was safe and wrapped in something as opposed to what most people have to do, which is a box, a towel, a blanket, their bed, yeah. was, it was life-changing. Yeah, right. So I feel very blessed that we had that. And I I am trying to help her spread the word that there's just, there is a product that can help in that situation. But, of course, no one wants to plan ahead. No, no, no that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's all right if you know your dog has a terminal cancer or, you know, no one wants to plan ahead. But we've been speaking to a lot of vets about having something like that as an option so that when you do a euthanasia, it's the animal is wrapped up with dignity, you know, yeah, in a sure. clinic or whatever. So I'm really passionate 
about that. No one wants to talk about it most of the time, but I'm sure your listeners are all sitting there thinking about pet loss now and, and understanding and relating. Oh, it's definitely. I think a lot of our listeners, you know, they would, they would have lost a pet, unfortunately, at some stage if, you know, the, um, um, or, or got a, a pet that's going through an illness and they're, they're thinking about the end of life. So, yeah, no, it's definitely... Definitely something we, we do bring it up a bit on the on the show oh, as well. For sure, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, now tell me, Katrina. So apart from um, yeah, the, the the prospects of going and getting a new little puppy, yeah, we'll sort of come come back around full circle. And you know, from talking end of life, let's talk about new life. Yeah, apart from uh, you know looking down the barrel of trying to train up new little puppy, have you got anything else that's uh, on the horizon for you? Anything else that you're sort of really looking forward to sinking your teeth in? Something sort of new, fresh. You know, something sort of uh, something fun to do. Well, I'd like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what have you got in mind, Robbie? Have you yeah, got yeah. That for me, Robbie? yeah. <laughs> well, hang on. We could do three vets talk pets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just talking to you is making me go. Oh, I need a bit of excitement. I do. I am one person that does need. I need projects. Yeah. And yeah. um, I mean, I don't have that anything that exciting on on the horizon. I did a, a kids TV series. Um, was it last year or the, maybe the end of the year before? And that was really fun called Creature Mania. And that was really fun to be back out teaching kids and, and what have you. But um, no, at the moment, I'm feeling very busy just staying on top of my commitments. Spinning as many various... plates as you can at once, Katrina. Sorry? Sp- sp- spinning as many plates as you can at once. Yes, but now you're making me feel like I need a big adventure. <laughs> oh, don't. It, sounds, it sounds like you know, you've got enough adventure in your life as it is. <laughs> Well, if I get a puppy, that's an adventure. Oh, yeah, that's right. That'll keep, you, that'll yeah. keep you busy for a while, I imagine, definitely. Yeah, that's it. I'll never travel again. That's right. And, and well, if, if, if some of our listeners, anyone listening to the show, wants to give you the, the next adventure, what's, <laughs> just, what's just a, be careful how you work. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, in a, a veterinary sense, yeah. uh, <laughs> how can they, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Obviously, you said you're on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. What, you got some handles there. Uh, look, both Instagram and Facebook are simple, Dr. Katrina. Simple, simple. If you want to contact me, you can find me also website, Dr. Katrina. So I'm, I'm a very simple person. And Dr. <laughs> Katrina, <laughs> Dr. Katrina Warren on LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm, I'm stuck to Dr. Katrina. I got in there early before anyone else. <laughs> Excellent. Even yeah. Global. But- Global doctors. There's a few Dr. Katrina peoples on uh, Instagram, but I got him first, so that was good. Oh, very, very good. Well, Robbie's had a bit of trouble with Dr. Robert, I think, so he's, he's been he's missed out there. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis keeps trying to refer to me as Robert Katrina, which isn't fair. I mean, Robert's usually the handle I go by when I'm either talking to the bank or getting into trouble. So, yeah, he's, yes. um, he, he just keeps trying to drop it in every now and again. I can <laughs> I can just feel my heart rate going up, sort of, you know, just feeling like I'm, I'm about to get yelled at, you know. But he's, I, think he's, yes. I, think he's, I think he's trying to counter-condition me, Katrina. You know, he's trying to use some of his... He's, you know, behavioural voodoo on me, you know. He's practising. That's right, yeah. Well, I look at it like a Seinfeld episode. In every Seinfeld episode, there's a Superman. Yes, yeah. Every Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, Lewis drops the Robert word. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to us, taking the time out, um, uh, Katrina, to chat to us. You're busy, busy up there in Sydney. We're down in Melbourne, so we are over the phones. Um, but uh, really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat and, um, and, and good luck with the new puppy if you decide to go that way pleasure and um, i hope you are flooded now with celebrity vets none of them be as good as you katrina none of them be as good as you we've had many approaches uh, and we've turned them all down and, and you're you're the you're our first one that we've accepted oh <laughs> uh, you're too kind well thank you so much guys Fantastic. Thanks, Katrina. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist and more importantly as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.